Popping the word, man. Popping the word. Just the beginning. Amen. That's a prophetic act, what we're doing this morning. It's just the beginning. Because what the Lord is wanting to release here, He wants to go globally. And so there's going to come a time soon where we have to take this message. You know, I was talking to somebody this week, and she's a customer of mine. I'm going to go into some of this in detail in just a minute. Pretty much, we're going to get, I'm going to give you some scripture this morning to make it legitimate, a real word, but, you know, I'm going to share mostly testimonies from my week. Because you all know what, if you were here last week or here Monday night, you know what we've been called into. And you know what the Lord is saying to this house, to us as individuals and to this house. But I will tell you about one incident I had with a lady this week. And um, we were talking about what's happening, the type of environment that we have here at Freedom Point. And I said, you know, I didn't say anything about our church or anything. And I said, where, where are you going to church, you know, because I know how she believes and, and uh, I know where she was and they don't believe the way. Let me give you some advice as your pastor. The Lord's not going to call you to a house to change the atmosphere. He's not going to call you to a house to change the atmosphere unless you are going to be placed in a position of leadership where you can work intricately. If the man of the house or the, the head of the house, the, the leader of the house is not down with change, it ain't going to work. Now, we can argue that, and you may have a valid point, but I'm just going to say go try it. It just don't work. I've seen it in action multiple times. But anyway, she's another example. And I said, so where are you going now? Because I know where you was going don't believe like you, so that's only going to last for so long. And she said, well, we're, you know, looked at, we've been to the advocate a couple of times and just around, and I'm like, yeah. And she said, there's just no apostolic houses in the area. I'm like, well, I feel you. I feel you, you know. So then I started talking to her about how we believe in what we are, and it's exactly who they are. And they'll visit probably. I, I kind of thought they might be here this morning, but. Uh, eventually they'll visit and um, I know her and she's just down with what God's doing but the point was she's right what God's doing here there's nothing like this north of Birmingham really I don't know of one maybe I'm wrong but I don't know I mean I know a lot of pastors and a lot of preachers because I was in you know the church of God circle for a long time no, there's, no, there's no belief like what we're doing you know, regardless of how they present it on the website, when you get into the core of what they believe, it's not like here. And so I don't take that for granted. That's serious business that God has called us all together to, to participate in that. Now, there are houses all over. Now, don't get me wrong that, you know, like Jason Hooper and those guys down in, in the heart of Birmingham, they're, you know, even probably more advanced than we are in this thing because they, you know, coming out of Morningstar and those type situations with Rick Joyner, they've had a a big head start, so to speak, but just up in this area. So God wants to take what's happening here, and he's wanting to release it globally. So before that happens, and this is, this is something else, before that happens, people come to me a lot and talk about revival. They talk about, man, we're in revival. And what they really mean is we're having a lot of great meetings. We're getting together every night of the week, and we're having a lot of exciting meetings. But my, my excitement in that is not how, what's happening in the meetings. It's have you built an infrastructure that can sustain what you're experiencing over a long period of time. Because if not, quite honestly, you're just wasting time. If you can't sustain it, because God releasing revival and, and people getting wrecked and moved in a, in a city is great. But what, what's happening three or four years down the road from that time? 
You know, is it something that change, really changes the city? Or do people get excited about the kingdom and three years from now, they're right back in the same lifestyle they were in? So what God wants to do is give us an understanding and anointing to be able to build an infrastructure in this house that can sustain what he really wants to do. Because if we don't have that in place, honestly, guys, if we went from 50 to 500 in six months, it would collapse on ourselves. We would collapse in on ourselves. It'd be like having more people on a deck than you're supposed to have. You ever seen those videos on YouTube? And it just collapsed. Why? Because the infrastructure wasn't built correctly to hold that many people. And it's the same way here. You know, you're given, uh, you're given just say, two talents, you know, to be King James about it. You're given two talents to steward. You don't move to the five talent until you can steward the two. So that's what God is trying to do. And he's also wanting to build a work that no man can come in and get credit for. You know, not me, not Paul, not Mark, none of, none of us can get credit for. That's another thing that he wants. He wants to release a revival that is a pure manifestation of him where he is exalted, his name is made great, and people come to a, a revelation of who he is, not how great a person is. So he doesn't want this next revival to be released that exalts man. We have enough of that already. So, the inner room experience, the inner room call that God has called us to, calling us out, and we're going to look at 2 Kings if you want to turn there and look at that story one more time, 2 Kings chapter 9, this call is specific to what we're doing. And what I mean by that is it's going to impact every area of your life. It's going to impact everything that you touch. It's going to give you insight and wisdom in every area of your life. If you're, if you're a nurse, this inner room call is going to make you a better nurse. If you're a business owner, this inner room call and this inner room anointing that you're only going to get by separating yourself to the inner room is going to make you a better business owner. If you have an idea to launch a new business, this inner room experience is going to give you wisdom on how strategically to launch the business. So it's not just about what happens in this house. Matter of fact, this is the least area that it matters, to be quite honest with you. Your inner room experience, what, what happens in this house is the least affected by your inner room experience. And what I mean by that is that when we come collectively together, things just get easier, you know? It's easier, should be, to get into that, that presence, that heaven come down, that God connection in the house sometimes than it is out in, in your everyday life. But you need answers to everyday life. You need answers to what you're engaged in in everyday life. And this is exactly what God is calling us into. And... Something else I want to touch on, and I touched on this Wednesday night. Somebody's asked me, how's it going for you, Pastor? You know, you're, you're separating yourself into prayer. I've always done that, but you understand the call we've got right now is different. This is not just about separating yourself into prayer. This is a strategic call, and, and Paul's going to, going to give us some insight and just a little, little word that the Lord gave him about it, but... It's very, very important that you heed this call. It's not that this, our separating ourselves into prayer is something that's only going to last for a little while. It's not that at all. I don't fully understand the full scope of what's happening, but if you don't heed the call to separate yourself on a daily basis, daily basis, to get alone with God, to close the door. I'm not talking about sitting in the living room 
with Sports Center on the back and just nodding your head down. I'm talking about separating yourself in a room, in a place where there are no distractions. I can't really even sit in my office because then I see books as I scan and I start thinking about what that book says when I read it or I see something that God spoke to me a long time ago sometimes and I get very distracted. So I even have to be careful about where I separate myself. But separate yourself and listen to what the Lord has to say. And it's not just dialogue. There are other things that are going to happen. But out of this, people said, well, how's it going, Pastor? And I I said, to be quite honest with you, it's not going anything like I thought it was going to go. And I told you all this Wednesday night. I thought I was going to separate myself in prayer. The gold dust was going to fall. The room was going to fill with feathers. I was going to see angels walking around. I was going to be transported out of my body into heaven, you know, 50 times. And none of that's happened. Matter of fact, it's been the quietest time that I've had. The least exciting, no motivation, no supernatural chill bumps, no goose bumps, no, you know, floating through the air, any of that. Because most of the time I've just gone in there and sat and it's been no emotion at all. And what the Lord wants you to understand is that the church has lived her life to this point by emotion. We are emotional people. If it doesn't prick our emotions, we don't engage in it anymore. And worship on Sunday morning is not how you feel about it. It's not whether you're happy or whether you even get excited. Your prayer time has nothing to do with how you feel. When you go to God in prayer, if you don't feel it, that has nothing to do with it. Your emotions are a gift from God for you to lord over and use to enrich your life. That's what emotions are for. But they have absolutely nothing to do with the impact that you make supernaturally when you engage God in prayer. They have nothing to do with your, uh, what happens when you engage God in worship. Yes, they're given to us to enhance our life and enhance our worship and enhance our prayer. But me going into my place of prayer has nothing to do with how I feel at the moment I'm in that place. All I was asked to do was come. Come. So I want to encourage you, if you've been separating yourself for 15, and I encourage you to set a time on it. Say, I'm going to give myself to God for 30 minutes, set a timer. Shut the door and don't come out of the room until you've spent 30 minutes with God. If that's what you have to do to train yourself, do it. If you've only got 15, do it. Just make an effort to separate yourself. That's what this is about. You know, we separate ourselves from a lot of things in life because we want to experience whatever it is we're separating ourselves unto. And and this is no different. And this is a specific call. And the concern that I really have for the house is that if you don't heed this call, it's not that you're not going to heaven and it's not that you're not, you know, going to be be able to be involved in the church. It, It really doesn't have anything to do with that at the highest point of its importance. But... The most important thing is you will not receive anointings and directions that have been set apart and are being reserved for you. This is something else the Lord told me. There's a difference between people saying God withheld something, which is incorrect. The actual understanding of Father is that there are things that have been reserved. They're not being held back. They're there for you. They've been reserved for you. You're the one that's separating yourself from walking in it. 
It's like a reservation at a restaurant. You know what that does? You know, it's set aside for you, but you have to actually what? Go to the restaurant to get it. They're not withholding your ability to eat at the restaurant. You can't say that, you know, Texas Day Brazil won't let me in and let me eat. No, there is a reservation. You reserve a spot. You show up at that specific point at that specific time and you get to participate in what was reserved for you. You're the one that determines your ability to eat by submitting to the reservation. And God has so many things reserved for you. He's not holding them back. You're the one. And there's some things that have been held back, reserved, I mean, not held back, but reserved for you that you're only going to get in the inner room experience. It's not that God doesn't want to, you know, just pour them out on you or anything. He set them there for you. And also, you have to be at the, res- the reservation, the reserving, at a specific time in a specific place. Do you understand what the definition of point means? Freedom point. That means you are at a specific place at a specific time. That's what the very word point means. So there is freedom for you at specific places and specific times. And this is one of those specific places and specific times in the call of God on our life. There are are levels of freedom. and, And you say, well, I'm not bound. I'm free anymore. You're not free in every area of your life. You're not walking in full freedom because if you were... Signs and wonders would be following you. The dead would be being raised. The sick all would be healed. You know, there would be 150 people following you to church this morning because they would all need something from the Lord and you would be a manifestation of Him in the earth and they would want to follow you, just like Jesus. He didn't have a problem accumulating crowds. They just followed Him, right? So we all need freedom. We need freedom from the way we think. We need freedom from strongholds in our life that keep us from from reaching where God wants us to be. So I want you to understand this call is not about God punishing you because you had not been praying enough. It's not about you putting rules in your life because you need to pray more. It's an invitation to fill a reserved spot, a reserved time. He has a reservation for you. And it doesn't matter how you feel about it. It doesn't matter what you experience when you go in the room. You say, well, I prayed, Pastor. I prayed all week, man. I went in my room for 15 minutes and I set 15 minutes aside. I didn't hear anything and I didn't feel anything. It doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with it. If you are a person who lives your life by emotions, you will be destroyed. You will be insane. You will lose your ability and grasp on reality if you're a person who is completely led by your emotions. If everything in your day has to go correctly and you always have to be happy and up, you're going to wear out in about five or six years. Because you can't sustain that. It's not reality. There were times when Jesus pled with Father to not have to walk the walk that he was called to walk. When Jesus was being led to the cross and they said, how's it going, Jesus? You think he said, man, I'm blessed and highly favored, brother. Or was he in the garden sweating blood because his body was under such stress and such torment And his brain was stretched to the max and his body was stretched to the max and he looked at God and pleaded with God if there be any other way. I don't want to do this. Yet, it's not about what I want to do. 
Emotions don't have anything to do with our call. So I just said an hour's worth of talking just to get you to that point. Don't worry about how you feel. Don't worry about if things levitate in the room. Don't worry about gold dust falling. Don't worry about and, and anointing. All of that will come. You will have every, all of that. I believe some of you, I was, I was at the Pines. I told you today would be a lot of, of personal testimony. I was at the Pines Friday night. Awesome. Dadgum awesome. That director up there is awesome. See, everybody was sweating that, including me. We were all sweating that transition. And now look where you are. You know, look where we are. I was like, dadgum, man, they, they done jacked the pines up, man. We're done up there, you know. I guess that's the end of that. And now look at it. I mean, Friday night was just dadgum crazy. The director up there, I mean, he's just, you know, I think he'll be key in helping us have some wisdom and understanding as to how to, this house needs to move forward. But I was at the Pines, and, and Friday night, and Randall had already left out of the meeting. I don't know where he went. But the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Tell Randall that if he'll separate himself to the inner room, I have some third heaven encounters for him where I want to give him some wisdom and direction about some things that he's been praying for in his personal life. And so I told Randall. And Randall was honest. You know, he's like, I know that. I know that. That's a confirmation to me. But I'm, a, I'm, really, kind of, I'm really kind of spooked about it. I'm kind of afraid to go in there because... When you know that you're going to go in there and that God's going to put that anointing on you and that you've been called to impact not only a city but a state and a nation, that's, some, that's heavy. And so he's like, dude, I don't want to go in there because when I do, you know, I don't know if I'm ready for the, for, for the responsibility. I don't know if I, can, if I can do it. And I'm like, you can't. You know, so let's just solve that right now. You don't have any ability to, to fill the call. You absolutely will fail. You have, you have no ability at all to do what God's called you to do. This is why he's calling you to the inner room. Because he will anoint you to do it. You can't do it. So let's get that out of the way. But he wants to call you into these third heaven encounters, face-to-face -face instruction from him because he's going to tell you how to do it. And he's going to empower you to do it. And this is what I'm talking about, guys. This is what's waiting for you. It's not just about prayer. It's not just about God, you know, heal Aunt June's throat, you know, and baby girl's fever and, you know, and all that's great, man. Talk to the Lord about all the concerns of your life. But what he wants to do is give you an anointing for your destiny, why you were put on this earth. You want to come talk for a minute? Yeah, come on. Do it while I look up. Take the kingdoms here. Uh, by the way, if you didn't get the audio from last Sunday, I highly recommend last Sunday's message. Um, there was a handful of times I've heard a sermon as powerful as last Sunday where there was an actual anointing on it to step into a place. doesn't mean the other sermons I've heard have been bad, but there was a tangible anointing to step into a place that I had never been at in my own prayer life. And I... I just knew that was what happened. And so the Lord just began to really download a lot of prophetic things about prayer for this week in the house. And I want to just share prophetically what I felt. Uh, two things I felt the Lord was saying about prayer for, for us. The first thing was this. I felt Monday there was a strong sense of keys that were being released. And to those who fully gave themselves to pray will be the ones who had a, the ability and the authority to use the keys released. The key word there is who will fully give themselves. Not, not half-hearted, 
not in one day and not this, but people who were fully given. So, and I want to really encourage us as a house that we really give ourselves fully to this thing. Now, I can't tell you what that looks like for you. You have to figure that out for yourself. But I'm telling you, under the action of the Holy Spirit, if you will fully give yourself, there are keys the Lord wants to give you for purpose, destiny, healings, breakthroughs that he wants to show you how to use, okay? But here's the second part I want to really just uh, hit on about prayer. And this is what I think is really key. Um, this season of prayer is vital because of the sharpening of spiritual senses relating to seeing and hearing. I feel like the Lord said that what happened Sunday was just a taste of what was about to be released in the house, which was the ability to discern and anointing the seven to the purpose for the hour. And those who are giving themselves will have eyes to see and ears to hear. Let me tell you something. Stop. Every day this week, the Lord has highlighted this phrase, eyes to see and ears to hear. And there's been one constant theme of our prayer times this week has been eyes to see and ears to hear. That's been a major highlight from the Lord this week in my prayer life. Um, and those who give themselves will have eyes to see and ears to hear and accurately discern anointings for future invitations into what he is building and releasing here. Notice the key word is what he's doing here. Not out there what God's doing here. This is a, an anointing for here. Not, no disrespect to Churches around here, this is what God's doing here. It's crucial to catch that. The reason for eyes to see and ears to hear being a focal point in this season is because of what God is bringing about will not be accomplished by fire or wind. In other words, we won't see it through great power or explosion, but by the stillness of his voice. He is looking for people who are not moved by signs and warnings, but the move of the power of his voice. It's, you don't need discernment to see fire and wind. You need discernment to know the voice in which he's speaking from. That's what he's doing here. He's, he, he's tuning our ears to his voice, not what he's done in the past, what he's doing now through his voice. It will be those who are learning to have their senses exercised, Hebrews 5.14, to pick up the baton that the Holy Spirit is releasing to run the race that is being set before us. This has everything to do with discerning his voice. John 12, the father said, I have glorified the son. And others said, it was thunder. Others said, it was an angel. They couldn't discern the voice was the voice of the father. God is wanting to tune us into the voice of himself. That is the word of the Lord and what we're doing in this prayer time. That's good, man. That's right. 2 Kings chapter 9. And Elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, Get yourself ready to take the flask of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. Now when you arrive at the place, look there for Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, and go in and make him rise up from among his associates and take him into the inner room. One, one kind of visualization that we have with this uh, message here is that, and, and, and I'm just going to play with this, you know, it may be a stretch for you to see this, but it, it's really how I interpret this, is that Elisha here has taken the place of Christ in our New Testament life. This is a, a visualization of how it works, that Elisha rep, represents Christ, and the son of the prophet represents Holy Spirit. And what is happening now is that when Christ left you know that he asked Father, and Father sent Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is now our empower, our comfort, our counselor, all these things that he is. So Christ has sent Holy Spirit 
to call us out from among our associates and call us into an inner room experience to pour oil, you know, it's synonymous with anointing, to pour an anointing out on us. Now, what was the anointing here for? The anointing was for specific life direction. Where am I supposed to go and what am I supposed to do when I get there? Okay, it wasn't just, it wasn't just an encounter where God and man had a common conversation about the goodness of God and God, you being sons and daughters and, and all that's great. It has to come from that place. But what I believe God's called us into, and it's very, it's very profound that Holy Spirit would have told Paul that it was for this house, is that God wants to bring you into a place where there's a specific anointing that's going to be poured out on us all, who's going to give us, that anointing, that oil is going to give us specific words and specific understanding about our life call. And not only you're called to be a pastor. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, I'm talking about Holy Spirit enabling us to have eyes to see and ears to hear. And God's going to tell us specific, strategically and specifically what we're supposed to do and when we're supposed to do it. And how it's supposed to be done. So I encourage you to take a notepad and pen with you when you go into the place of prayer. I was writing some things this morning. You know, I'm not over here looking at the book, man. You know, if I'm on my phone, I'm looking up scripture or something. Maybe the Lord gives me somebody. I'm not sending them a text during service. I'm in service. Just want to let you know this is the word of the Lord for you. Got a notepad. Write it down. Why does that freak people out? Do that. Because I'm telling you, after habaneros, after church, you're not going to remember it. You're going to go home and crash watching the NFL. You're going to wake up. You're going to separate yourself aside in prayer. And you're going to try to remember what it was the Lord said. So write it down. He's going to give you specific instructions. There's an anointing there for that. And it's, it's a revelation. And then what happened when he got there? He said, he came to him. There's no way he's not looking right at Jehu. There's no way. He, because he says, I have come to give you a message, commander. Would he be doing this when he said it? I've come to give you a message, commander. No, he's looking right at him. And Jehu's like, who, me? And that's the way we do. Why me? I'm sitting out here this morning among all of my associates. He's not talking to me. He's talking to Paul. He's talking to whoever's in uh, areas of leadership in the house. That's who he's talking to. No, he's looking you dead in the eye. You know who he's talking to. Jehu knew who he was talking to. And he's talking to you, and he's saying, I'm calling you, each one of you, to that inner room experience. And anybody that's connected with us, he's calling them into that inner room. Why? Because before God does anything in the earth, before he releases anything in the earth, he always calls men and women out. Look at any revival, any reformation. Study it. I mean, really study it. And you're going to find that before it launched, God moved people to an inner place of prayer. Before there was an Azusa Street, two, three years before the revival was released, there were people walking, riding, praying on the streets and in their inner rooms for revival. And before God releases this house, he's got, he, he wants to give you what has been reserved for you. Look at uh, 1 Samuel 9, 18. You do that real quick. It's right there, right before Kings. 1 Samuel 9. Just go backwards. You'll find it slowly.
we got to hurry. This will be the last scripture because I really want to give you these testimony. And they're quick. And, well, they're usually quick, not the way I tell them. It's not real quick. But. 1 Samuel 9, 18. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me, where is the seer's house? Samuel answered Saul and said, I'm the seer. Go up before me to the high place. And you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let you go, and I will tell you all that's in thine heart. There again, I believe Samuel is, is a, an illustration of Holy Spirit. Samuel calls. He don't, he don't really call. He tells Saul to go up to the high place. Jeremiah 33, 3, come up. Saul says, go up. Separate yourself, and you will get direction for your life. And he says, the donkeys you're looking for, don't worry, they've been found. And then Saul and him go into a dialogue about who he is and why would he be me. Verse 22, now Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the hall. Brought them in. Samuel, representation of the Holy Spirit, took Saul and brought them in. Okay? Brought them into the place of honor, brought them into the hall and had them sit in the place of honor. And Samuel said to the cook, Bring the portion which I gave you and which I said to you, set it apart. Samuel, before he ever met Saul, had something reserved for if Saul would respond to his words and be called into this place that he could have what had been reserved for him. And this is the way God has for each one of us. Before you were ever born, these encounters with the Lord were strategically placed in the timeline of your life before you ever were conceived. And they're not anything that God has held back from you. There are reservations that are setting and waiting for you in that place that you're being called to. There is a portion that has been set apart that God is ready to release to you that you have not known to this point. And some of you have been serving God so long and you think, when's it going to be? When's I'm, when am I going to see this word in my life? When am I going to see the manifestation of what God's promised me? And the problem is we, we don't heed the word of the Lord when it's given through the mouth of a prophet or the leader of a house. And God is saying, I've set and reserved things for you and I've set them aside and now hear my voice and come into this place and receive what has been set aside for you. For you. Not just the house. Listen, understand the house can't be any stronger than its individual and collective pieces. A thumb has to realize it's a thumb. And it has to strive to enter into the significance that only a thumb can make. And only then will it fulfill its destiny in the hand. This house depends upon each of us getting into the place and receiving what has been reserved for us so that we can collectively put it all together to form a body. It's not just about me fulfilling my call. It's not just about you fulfilling your call. It's about all of us fulfilling our calls and collectively together we'll build what God wants to mobilize in this city. But there are things that have been set aside for you. I can't go in your place of inner room experience and get what God has set apart for you. 
There's something set apart for Nathan that will never be released to Lee because before Nathan was born, it was set apart for him. There are things that have been set apart for me that you will never walk in because they are set apart for me. I can't go into the inner room for you. You can't go into my inner room for me. So anyway, let me just tell you what happened. I got a whole lot more about this, but I just want to tell you about my week because my week in inner room prayer has not been very significant in the fact of its impact and power felt moments. It's been very, you know, like one morning I got up and I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, here I am. And that's all I said. Here I am, Lord. And I sat in silence 15, 20 minutes before there was any dialogue at all. And I, I honestly believe, I'm going to put this on me here so you can form your own opinion, but I believe God's wanting to see, will I just say yes to the call? Will I just say yes to separate myself? Something that to us seems so spiritually insignificant because we, we want North Jefferson News to write about our spiritual, you know, escapades. But God's just wanting to know, will you say yes? Will you say yes? Will you just come and sit before me even if I don't speak to you? Will you just sit in my presence? Will you just isolate yourself? Will you get up at 4.30 instead of 5.30 so that you can make sure that you have that time with me? Will you do that? Droggy and slobber and stuff still in your eye. Will you come before me and sit before me and just talk with me? And so I'm, I've really... I didn't do anything to earn any encounters. You know, my sessions with the Lord are no different than yours. And let me tell you something else. The dialogue that people try to take on when they pray amuses me. I don't talk to God any different, really, than I talk to you. It's not about how eloquently you speak. It's not about the diversity of your language, your ability any of, it's not about any of that. It's not about how many words you speak. Matter of fact, he said, don't go around praying a whole bunch of words like the hypocrites do because they think that I'm going to respond to their prayer because they say a lot. So just get in that place. So, all right, here's the deal. Let's see. I've got it written down, so I'll tell it in order because it's, it's better if you tell it in order. M Monday or Tuesday, I can't really remember. Justin might remember because I talked to him right afterwards, but... There's a lady, she's a customer of mine, and I've been spraying for her for years, and I knew she had a business. I didn't know what kind of business it was, but she's very successful because people are going, just running around the office when you go in there, and their paperwork flying, man. Fax machines beeping, copiers copping. I mean, it's just happening joint. So I go in there, and I'm spraying for her, and we're talking, and be honest with you, man, I'm slammed already. I got probably 16 appointments on my day, and I ain't got time to talk. So I'm just doing my thing, and the Holy Spirit said, ask her what she does for a living. So I said, okay, so what do you do for a living? Because I'm thinking maybe I might, you know, might be another avenue to make some money. So I said, what do, you, what do you do for a living? And she begins to tell me. She runs Alabama Abuse Counseling Centers all over the state. She hires and employs counselors to uh, help with, you know, a lot of times if you get in a situation where there's an addiction or something, you go to court, you have to do outpatient type care, have to be drug tested often, and then, and then you can kind of start getting some visitation back and all that. Well, she deals with all that, so she knows judges, she knows, 
She knows the whole run, man. And so, man, she starts talking to me, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is my Holy Spirit wanting me to talk with her. Because, you know, we have, we have a heart for that, if you hadn't noticed. And this is, you know, Freedom Point is not a recovery center, so to speak, okay? Because I think some people think that it is as much as we talk about it. But it's just we've been impacted by that. So we're talking, but here's the thing. She said, you know what? I have a X-year-old grandson, and some of you may know him, so I won't tell you who he is. But he's in jail. He's in jail for the second time. And I don't know what to do for him. She said, I hire counselors on a daily basis. I have counselors at my disposal. They all have their master's degree. And she said, when it comes to our own families, most of the time we just don't know what to do. And she said, you know what this area needs? Number one, it needs some awareness of what's going on. And we started talking about that. And she said, people are living blind in, this, in these communities around our area as to what's really happening. And she said, we need a support group. And I said, well, we can, we can handle that right now. I said, we, she said, what we really needed would be a place to meet. And I said, well, we got that covered, you know. And so she's like, well, can we have one? Our first one Sunday night. I said, well, hang on just a minute. You know, slow down just a minute. Let's, let's get some, some ideas together. And then I'm talking to uh, the director, George, up there. Y'all call him Pastor George, director. I don't know what y'all call him. And, and he's had a very successful life in that. You know, uh, actually built a ministry that would travel from school to school, church to church, bringing awareness to the epidemic in, in certain uh, cities about what's going on in their children's lives. So God lined that up. You know, I mean, this lady's pumped, man. She's ready to do something. Now, she's a surface believer, so when she got mad, she might drop, you know, a cuss word on you. You just have to overlook that. I don't really care about all that. Don't threaten me. But what she wants is to connect with us because she's hurting. And she don't know how to help her grandson. And she runs an abuse counseling center. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't probably, that probably don't make sense to you unless you've been there. You know, because when it comes to your family, you're so emotionally engaged, a lot of times it clouds truth or, or what you need to do. But anyway, that's one experience. And the Lord said that your connection with her is because you went to the inner place. Because you've been spraying for her probably 15, 16 years. And you didn't know what she did for a living until I told you to ask her. And I told you to ask her because I'm going to connect you because you said yes. All right, that's number one. I've been trying to get with Craig Kennedy, the principal at Mormon Jordan. I hadn't really tried hard, but I've been trying, okay? And I just can't get any response. So this was Thursday. The Lord, I said, okay, i got to get something to eat. I've been trying to watch what I eat a little bit. And, and honestly, this is no lie, and I was, I was so blessed when he said it. You know, it was like the Lord spoke to me about going to hamburger heaven. Uh, hamburger heaven. Hey, how spiritual do you have to get? Heaven, right? Hamburger heaven. I'm down with both of those. So anyway, I knew that somebody was going to be there. And to be honest with you, I kind of figured it was going to be you because you like hamburger heaven too. And I thought, well, I'm on, Paul's going to be there. Somebody I know is going to be there. Why else would I be getting this about going to hamburger heaven? So I went to hamburger heaven. And I'm sitting there, and who walks in? Craig Kennedy, the principal of Moore Jordan. So we start talking, and I start talking to him, and he's like, man, you have got to come by the school one day, and let's sit down and talk. And I said, well, dude, I've been trying to set that up. you know." And he's like, here's my number. Just call me. And so I got that out of the way, right? And I think, well, that was cool. So I'm eating my hamburger, and I think that's why I'm at Hamburger Heaven, right? Well, in walks this old man. I mean, he's old. He's He's limping real hard, but he's a, he, you know, he has that preacher look. You know what I'm saying? That old school preacher look. You can pick him out. You know what I'm saying? He's got his nice dress pants on. 
he's got them up high like he likes it, you know, and he's got his belt in, he's got his short sleeve press shirt on, it's nice shoes, it's the middle of the day on Thursday, you know, so I was like, but anyway, he walks in, he speaks to me, he sits down beside me, and I can't just sit next to somebody and not speak to him. I'm just not wired that way. So I'm like, Dad, come in. Now I've got to speak to this old dude. I'm just being honest with you because I'm trying to eat my hamburger. Man, I've never met what God sent me there for, so I ain't studying God no more about hamburger heaven, right? So I'm just trying to eat my hamburger and fries. I'm watching Sports Center. I mean, that is awesome environment. Hamburger, fries, and Sports Center. So I'm like, hey, what's up? How you doing? Well, that's all he needed. He slid right up next to me. And he grabs me by the arm. He's an old dude, so you know how they do. Son. Well, come to find out, he's a, a, a Southern Baptist minister from Athens, Alabama. He's been at Miles College, and he was speaking at Miles College, and they stole his car. It's like a 1997 Lincoln Continental. It's as big as this room. And, he, and at one time he looks at me and he's like, what would they want with a 97 Lincoln Continental? You know, but anyway, they stole two more cars other than his. Really, really long story short, there's a state trooper that brought him to Hamburger Heaven. And, um, but anyway, I knew immediately that there was something going on with this guy. You know, that Holy Spirit was trying to get me and this guy and so he, he starts shaking like this. He's, we talk about he's a veteran, so immediately I'm drawn to him because, I mean, I just I love our veterans, man. They don't get any attention. They get crap. They get treated crap by this country. And, um, you know, he, he, I, he hobbled in. He showed me his leg, and his leg was blown almost off. And it's just really nasty looking if he pulls his pants up. But he said... He wasn't a believer when he got injured in Vietnam. He did another tour after getting his leg blown off. And he said that he prayed and that he told God, he said, I have a wife and two small sons at home. If you will get me back up on my feet where I can work for a living and support them, I will serve you. Now, you can argue about whether, you know, should he come to God for all, whatever. It didn't make no difference. God met him. And got because they told him he'd have to cut his leg off and then he'd have to have a prosthetic. But God got him back up on his feet, and he worked 42 years at some place. He told me, took care of his, uh, had another child, a daughter, took care of all them, provided for his wife. His wife had since died with cancer. But anyway, he starts shaking. I'm like, dude, you're shaking. You know what's going on? He hasn't eaten since the night before because when they stole his car, they stole his checkbook and and his credit cards were in a briefcase in the car. He to be honest with you, he left them there on purpose, you know, because he thought, I don't want anything on me in case somebody, I try to get jacked, you know. <laughs> so his car gets stolen, right? So somehow the police helped him get to his checking account through a bank. So he had 600 and something bucks, but he didn't have any credit cards. And he spent all that money that morning trying to get his car put back together. They found his car. So he had to buy mismatched tires and rims. And he's just trying to get back to Athens, Alabama, man. And he's like, uh, you know, he didn't want to tell me. And I said, you need something to eat? And then he's like, well, yeah, he's a diabetic, so he hadn't had his medicine that morning. So I get him something to eat. And the Lord said, you know, that you got to keep on with this guy. And so I was like, okay. And, and so I said, do you need anything else, man? you need anything else? Oh, something I forgot to tell you. Is I'm spraying that first customer that morning for Carolyn Counts. Now, I've been spraying for Carolyn for 20 years. And Carolyn 
used to run a business. She's very business-oriented. So when you come, she knows you're coming. She has your check ready. 20 years I've been spraying for her. She's got her check on the table when I walk in. This morning she forgot, which has never happened. And so when it's time to pay, she gives me two 20s, $40. Never happened in 20 years. She said, I'm going to do something I've never done. I'm just going to have to pay you cash this morning. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. I like cash. So I folded the 220s up, and I put them in my rat hole, in my billfold. Y'all know what a rat hole is? That's that money you don't want nobody to know you got. So you tucked it in the rat hole. So I got 40 bucks in my pocket, just letting you know. I don't carry a lot of cash on me anymore. All right, so I got that, and I say, do you need anything else? And I know he needs something else, but I love people like this. He don't want you to help him, really. Because he don't want to have to admit that he needs help. Those old school people, those honorable people, those people who are willing to work for what they get. And I got to talking to him, and he had asked Gardendale Police Department if he could come and wash a couple of their cars to earn enough money to get, because he had spent, he kept telling me, $638 put his car back together. And I'm like, dude, what do you need? And he needed some fuel. I said, well, let's just, just follow me down here to the service station, and I'm going to buy you some fuel. So we go down, I fill his car up, and he starts prophesying to me. He's Southern Baptist. He starts, man, now, by now he's preaching. He's not just prophesying. He's out of the car, and he's preaching. You know how them Southern Baptist guys do. They throw down now. But, I mean, he's everything but speaking in tongues. You know what I'm saying? They get to that point, and they won't go on in. But he's getting fired up, and he's preaching. The word says, son, you know? And he's, I was like, yeah, come on, man, yeah. And I'm finishing the scriptures, you know? And earlier, he didn't even know me. He shook my hand, and he looked in my eyes, and he said, you know him too, don't you? He's talking about God. And I said, yeah. He said, I can feel it when I shake your hand. So he knows that, that feeling. So I fill his car up, and I say, I look at the front of his car, and it's got a jacked-up tire, man. He's not going to make it to Athens, Alabama with his tire on. I mean, the thread's already coming, and, and it don't even match the back tire rim. And I'm like, and he probably really don't have any money, you know what I'm saying, from the beginning, because those, that generation... They didn't, they wanted to stay poor. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not blaming them, but, you know, that's humility to them. And, and anyway, I'm like, dude, you're going all the way back to Athens on that tire. I said, you ain't going to make it. There's a knot on it, number one, and there's threads showing. We've all driven on them. If you, you know, well, probably most people here have not, but some of us have. But anyway, I'm like, you have got to do something about that tire. I said, you're not going to make it to Athens. I said, you know, what can we do about getting you a tire? And he's like, no, no, I'll make it. Don't worry about it. I'll make it. I said, you ain't going to make it. You're not going to leave here with that tire. I'm just telling you. So you can tell me what we're going to do to resolve it, but I'm not letting this old-timer drive home with his tire on his car. And he's like, well, I was up at, and he's talking about uh, up at Warrior Tire in Hayden. He said the trooper had taken him up there. And what's that guy's name up there? Bruce? Is it Bruce that runs that place? I can't remember. Butch. Is that right? Yeah. Anyway, they've got two used tires for 40 bucks a piece. And he said, but he told me if I could come up with $20, then I could get a new one on this. Well, I, you walk around and the other front one's just like that one. So he needs 40 bucks to get two decent tires put on the front of his car. Well, guess what I have in the rat hole in my wallet? 40 bucks. I don't have any other money on me either. I don't have no more dollar bills, nothing. It's the only money I got. And so I got the 40 bucks and I gave it to him. And he starts crying. He's got snot coming out of his nose. I mean, he's, he's wrecked. You know, he's not putting on. 
It's not one of these, hey, can you give me $5 gas so I get back over here, you know, those people that approach you. He's got snot running down. He's wiping it, and now there's snot stringing from his nose. And he's crying, and he's, you know, he's preaching, and, he's, and he grabs me by the, by the arm, and he starts prophesying, you know. And he prophesies again about my family. He prophesies about Leah and Ashlyn and my wife and my son. And he starts prophesying about things that I've prayed in my prayer time. Okay? And now, I didn't think anything was happening in my prayer time. But God orchestrated that whole day, and then he, he prophesied over me something that I was really excited about. When I read it in the Bible, I'm not too excited about it. He said, God told me to tell you that you're a ram caught in the thicket. Now that's a daggum, man. That's awesome. You know, I'm going to study ram in a thicket. You know, I kind of know where that's at, but I said, maybe there's something in there I overlooked. So I'm thinking that God's, and all it is is that the ram became the offering. The ram became, became the one that was slain in that episode. And Abraham called the place Jehovah Jireh, my provision. And when he told me, he said, son, there's no greater calling in the world than to be called that. I was like, what is this old time we're talking about? And basically, it's that when you partner with God in such a way that God provides for somebody else through you, and all they see is God, there's no higher calling in the world than to be in that place, than to manifest the Father before somebody's eyes so that they see Him. That man didn't see me. He saw God meeting his needs to get him back to where he needed to be. You know, and he just about cussed me out because I wouldn't write down my name and address where he could send me the money back. You know, he didn't want to leave. And I said all of that, all of those instances, and there's a couple more, but I just, we're out of time. All those instances are about me saying yes to the inner room. All of that happened because I said yes. All of that happened in a prayer that I didn't think was going good, that I didn't feel any, any goosebumps or Holy Ghost chill bumps on. All of this came out of that inner, inner, inner room experience. And it goes back to what Paul even said. It's a call for direction in your life. Day-to-day life direction. There's an anointing that's been reserved for you. So I challenge you guys, don't overlook where we are. If you want to be different, if you want to be set apart, if you want to be extraordinary, then heed this call. Otherwise, you're just going to be like everybody else. It's imperative that we all do this. It's imperative that we all set aside time in our life to do this. Because that's the word of the Lord to us. So, everybody.